0: Welcome to the Women and Public Policy Program Seminar Series Podcast at the Harvard Kennedy School.
1: So, let's get started. <laughs> Good morning and welcome everyone. My name is Chiara Combini and I'm a research fellow here at the Women and Public Policy Program, where we are committed in closing gender gaps in economic opportunities, political participation, health and education. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so thrilled to present, uh, to introduce here our speaker today, Modupe Akinola. So Modupe is an Associate Professor of Leadership and Ethics at Columbia Business School. Her research focuses on diversity, human resource management, and leadership. She received her PhD in Organizational Behavior as well as her MBA, her master in social psychology, and her bachelor in psychology, all from Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> so we are thrilled to have her back here presenting her work, To Delegate or Not to Delegate, Gender Differences in Affective Association and Behavioral Responses to Delegation. So please join me in welcoming Majupe Akinola. It's great to be back and
2: to see all the new buildings and new stores and new everything around here has changed over the decades and it's always great to be back here giving talks because um, uh, WAB was such an integral part of my graduate school experience I received fellowships to be able to you know, do the research that I do and so I'm very grateful for uh, for these opportunities so today I'm going to be talking about the thing that we all want to do more of which is delegate. And this is research that I've conducted with uh, two of my collaborators, Ashley Martin, who is one of my fantastic grad students who will be joining Stanford Business School in the fall, and Kathy Phillips, who is one of my colleagues. And quite frankly, this line of research started because we found that we were doing a lot of menial things in our lives and in our departments. We were the ones that were putting together random lists of this, that, and the other thing, or sending the agenda to this person when we didn't necessarily need to. And we had admin assistants and others who (laughs) could help us. And we'd ask our male colleagues, are you doing these things? And they were like, no, I passed that on. So he said, wait a minute, is it us or is it us? (laughs) And so we started examining this question. Now, if you read any book. On management or if you go to any new standard going to say there's something good about delegation delegation is something we should do now what is delegation it's what we know it to be a process by which a manager gives responsibility and decision-making authority to a subordinate and you still are partially responsible so you're not totally giving away it matters for you but that's what delegation is and why should we delegate well because it helps us be more efficient in our daily jobs. It also motivates our subordinates, gives them an opportunity to develop. With the question being, who is more likely to delegate that, men or women? So we decided to run a pilot experiment. Uh, you know, Research is kind of me-search, but then you have to step out and say, wait, wait a minute, is this really me or is this generalized? So let's do a pilot. So our pilot experiment, we had Mechanical Turk participants. So this is an online database of participants willing to participate in in our study, men and women. And we gave them a scenario. We said, you're the VP of marketing at a global company. It's a busy week. You have 12 items. One critical item is interviewing candidates for an important role in your organization. (coughs) And then we said, you have a junior employee. That employee is busy. And we wanted to see who was more likely to delegate, but specifically to delegate the interview to the subordinate. And here's what we found, that men were more likely to delegate the interview to the subordinate than women. And then we also saw something interesting, which is that the women reported feeling potentially more guilty if the uh, subordinate didn't perform the interview well. So we said, okay, it's not just us. This might indeed be a phenomenon. So we started thinking theoretically, well, what could this be about? What is the theory underlying why women might feel different about delegating relative to men? And so we went back to the classics of gender rule theory. And what does it say? Well, that women are penalized when they engage in agentic behavior. We're supposed to be communal. So it's a bad thing when we are acting in agentic ways. And if you think about delegation, it can help you. It's about agency in some ways. Helps you do things better, faster. Helps you help yourself in some ways. So that means that delegation could be misaligned with the gender role stereotype. And as a result, people, women, would be less likely to engage in it because they'd be worried that it would hurt them. Now we know, on the other hand, there's the communal stereotype. This is how we're supposed to be. And if you think about delegation, though, it can help women. It can help your subordinates. so it is communal in some ways. So it's aligned with the gender role stereotype. So you would think that women would potentially engage in it and that it could help if you do delegate. Do you want questions now or at the end? Oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: <laughs> um, I'm wondering if the task you gave them to delegate is gender in the sense that if the task had been you know, analyzed this quarter's data, that it might have been different from that interviewing
2: and bringing someone on your team is seen yeah. as a communal yeah. and seen as a I'm That's a great question. And I think that in this work, we were kind of general and trying to get at the phenomenon. But you can imagine that follow-on work could look yeah. at the right. type right. of That's task. Um, because I'll preview this by saying now, Well, after this talk, we'll learn a little bit more about the why underlying the differences in delegating, but then there's still more to do in terms of, well, how do you get women to delegate? Yeah?
4: No, I just think maybe we're going to get to that, but that risk aversion should play a role there, and that would make my priorities that women would delegate less, because risk. And
2: risk aversion in what way? Like, if I do it on my own, then Uh I know. The outcome because they control the process. So there's certainty in terms of you know. how the output would be. Another way to think about that is do you trust in your subordinate to do it well? Because you would say if you have a good subordinate, then you should be able to be pretty certain that they do the job decently. So these are <coughs> there are a lot of factors that could play a role in this, and I will talk about some of the different ones we tested and looked into, including elements that you might consider risk. So it's both agentic and both communal, if you think about it theoretically. So we wanted to actually see how people would describe delegation if we asked them. So one of our key questions was, do women associate delegation with more agentic traits than men do? And so to answer this question, we had men and women. These were our MBAs. And we asked them, how much do you associate the following adjectives with delegation? So these adjectives here, which are more communal, and then these adjectives here, which are more agentic. And here's what we found. That women associate delegation equally with communality as they do with agency. But what about when we look at men? No difference between women and men in terms of how communal they view um, delegation But men view it actually as less agentic than women do. So what this suggests is that there is something about agency looming large in the types of tasks that we have in organizations that might be viewed as both communal and agesting. Okay, you guys are standing there. There's a seat right in front here, and then there's one here, and I can even move my bag and my phone if anyone else comes in, so have a seat. No need to sit there. Or stand there and one more person put right my bag on the floor, just get something to eat, come here, I won't be distracted. You can see what students do. I, I, I'm not distracted by anything at the time. Okay, so another way you know, to think about this is that we now have defined a class of leadership behaviors that we call gender role paradoxical behaviors. And so the question is, would we see these same effects across that i'm going to show you across all types of gender role um paradoxical behaviors like delegation yeah
3: Debate in the data you just showed yeah is that specifically delegating the interview or delegating in general delegating in general delegating
2: in general so we weren't specific but again i do like this idea of let's parse apart at some point some of the different types of tasks to see where you might see where women might
0: not delegate more communal ones, but who knows. OK. Yes? Um, also, to the previous graph, I'm a little surprised, actually. So would have expected it from the theory that you pointed out that agency seems to be more male-stereotype than you know, female. other would expect, perhaps, men to be kind of faster doing, like delegating, as more agentic that they want to see this as something that's in line with their stereotype. So why would it be lower than for women were mm-hmm. seeing
2: um, so the snarky me says men don't have to worry about these things at all. Right? like they're not thinking what's communal, like, they can just do whatever the heck they want, so it doesn't move large, nothing moves, sorry, I'm not really talking all the bad, there's a guy in here, <laughs> but yeah, that, that would be my thought, it's like, it's, they're not thinking about tasks in that way, they, are, they have the liberty to engage in whatever, in whatever way. However. Your point does speak to something that I'm going to talk about briefly, which is would men, um, I'm going to get to this in a moment because I'm not going to describe it well, but what about the opposite from men? I'll show you some um, some some data, a little bit of data, that suggests that there is something going on there could be something going on in the mail site. OK, so our next question was, well, Do women have negative affective associations with delegation? So we know that there's this weird thing going on with it, maybe moving a but what else do women associate with delegation? So in this study, we had male and female enter participants. And we told them, you have a very busy day ahead. And you have a subordinate with a very busy day. And we wanted to manipulate, and we manipulated whether or not they were allowed to delegate to their subordinate. We also manipulated the gender of their subordinate because we wanted to see, well, will they really depend? And we asked them to list any thoughts or feelings um, or adjectives associated with delegating or not delegating. And we wanted to code what they listed using the linguistic inquiry and word count. So, just to give you, you're not going to be able to read this, but the point is, we said, you know, okay, you imagine the scenario. Here's a bit about your job. You're in the marketing department at Apex Wireless. Your job is to do all of these things here manage the budget, implement improvements. It's a very busy week for you. There's a junior employee, Michael or Michelle, um, and he or she is there to assist you. They're busy as well, they have their own tasks to do. Then we said, you have decided not to delegate or to delegate to Michael or Michelle. And then, how do you feel about delegating or not delegating to the workshop? So here is um, what we found in terms of the coded loop things that they listed. We coded them for negative affect, positive affect. We found um, a marginal effect for positive affect. But here's what we found for negative affect. That women who delegated felt more negative affect uh, than men who delegated. Did it make a difference if they were delegating to a man or a woman, or it didn't make a difference? There were no gender effects. Didn't matter. The gender of the subordinate did not matter. So, But for men who did not delegate, they felt more negative affect. Well, there's no significant effect, sorry. But this was go to the point of, would men who don't delegate feel weird about not delegating if delegation is a thing that men should do? We're not further exploring that, but that is another future direction of some of this work because you know we want to get a better understanding of what happens when you engage in counter stereotypical behavior as a man. OK, so we're seeing some negative affect associated <coughs> with delegation, even in a fictional scenario. What is this negative affect? Is it anxiety? Is it guilt? Is it fe- Like, What could it be? So, again, had participants. These are mechanical okay, participants, again. And we had them list their job description. And these are people with managerial experience. List their job description, report the types of jobs that they delegated, or tasks, and then, again, list any feelings that you associate with. And we included guilt as a Likert question, um, and also asked them about self-reported delegation. Do you actually delegate tasks to people in general, Because we want to see, would we see a difference in self-reported delegation? Um, So what did we find with the Luke? More negative affect for women versus men, as we saw before. More anxiety for women versus men. More guilt. Less positive affect. But no difference in self-reported delegation. So I feel all these things, but yeah, I pass things on equally to my friends Mm -hmm. and to my subordinates. Now, if you think about self-reported delegation and you think about the types of questions we ask them, we said, compared to other people in your position, how much do you delegate? How effective I mean, who is going to really, I don't know. You don't know. It's really hard to know, relatively speaking, how much you delegate to others (laughs) compared to your colleagues. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to look at next was, are women actually less likely to delegate? No more scenarios, no more questions, no more loop coding. Let's give you an opportunity to do so and what happens when we do. So these were undergraduate and graduate students. Males and females. And we put them in a position. We said, you are managing, or you're, there's a University Goes Green campaign. (coughs) And we randomly assigned them to be the sponsorship coordinator. They were always with sponsorship coordinators, so we didn't really randomly assign them. Um, and they said they had a. we told them they had a committee member who they could work with, which was a Confederate. So that was their subordinate. They each had six tasks to complete. They were a variety of different tasks. And you know what? I don't think I included what the tasks were, but I do have the paper here. Let me read them to you. So, six of the tasks one was You know, um, writing an email to the school to influence students to donate to the organization. Um, And then we gave them a list of student names and majors, and they had to kind of, like, copy things and paste them. Uh, We also asked them to um, uh, enter some information, to proofread a PowerPoint, to format a newsletter, to engage in a creativity task, because they needed to come up with um, a very creative marketing campaign they could be So these were six of the tasks that they that we gave them. And um, we said, you know, your compensation will differ based on your leadership role. So we really wanted to get them in the position or the situation
1: where they felt, okay, I am a leader here
2: and I'm managing this and my money will be based on this. Yeah.
1: So can you explain what was about the random assignment? You said random assignment, but it was Sorry, I shouldn't have said random assignment.
2: We told them they were either, Going to be the sponsorship coordinator or work with a committee member. But in actuality, all participants were always the sponsorship coordinator with a subordinate to work with, and that subordinate was a co- confederate. But what you told them was randomly. Yes. So they didn't know that everybody else or whatever. They didn't know that their subordinate was not there. Are you with me? It was more to make them feel like well, why would to say it was random, so they felt like this is what we do in most psychology types of experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we measured changes in anxiety, so we had them report, do the PANAS, when they came to the lab, then um, after the task, so they did this a couple of times, so we could measure their <coughs> emotions and mood. We looked at who delegated, and then for delegators, we wanted to look at two things. Guilt again, so with this anxiety and guilt. But as I mentioned earlier, when people engage in um, gender role counter uh, stereotypical behavior, then they are worried about backlash because they get penalized for it. So we said, well, maybe fear of backlash is something that we should look at. So we included those measures in our study, too, also. And so here's what we found in terms of change in anxiety. For delegators, women delegators marginally, .06, more increases in anxiety than those who did not delegate. So remember, you have the opportunity to choose whether or not to delegate. So for those who did indeed delegate, increases in anxiety. No difference for men in terms of increases in that anxiety whether or not they delegate. Again, with this idea here that non-delegator males, I mean, this isn't significant, but it's still potentially saying something about what it means for a man when they don't delegate. What about did they actually delegate? What percent delegated? Okay, more men delegated than women did. Women felt more guilt about uh, delegating. And this guilt is like guilt of overburdening your subordinate. And women also feared more backlash from delegating. So we asked questions like, if someone were to watch your interaction, would you be nervous that they would think that you were blah, 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 blah. So one of the things we were also curious about is what would the interactions look like when they met with these people? Would women do things that were more communal and be like, "Oh, can you please help me out? Thank you so much. That was so nice of you. Very, very communal in their asking or not? So we had confederate. The confederate actually rate the um, their interaction quality after each session. You know, did the person you were working with consider how delegation would affect you? You know, keep you motivated, have confidence in you, follow up and check in and ensure. So we asked confederates to rate their partner on that. And then we also had independent coders rate the videos. Five research assistants watched the videos and read transcripts. And the reason they read the transcripts was one of the things our reviewers said was, well, you don't know they're going to be looking at it through the lens of gender when a video coder is coding it. So we then had all the transcripts to see if we'd see, there was no differences between the video um, ratings and the transcript ratings. So this difference between men and women was seen in both contexts. And we asked them, you know, um, did they ask about the employees to-do list, complete, um, compliment their employee, do all these things? And then we also wanted to look at, well, what happens with women? Are they sitting in there for a long time, like, hey, you you're my do, thanks so much, how are you, blah blah blah, or are they running when they're in there? They go in, hey, do this and leave. So here's what we found in terms of quantity of time. Men spent more time with their Confederate, with their, with their subordinate, than women did, which I thought was so shocking. I was so surprised by that. And in terms of the quality of the interaction, men had higher quality interactions than women um, for both the Confederate <clears throat> readings and the video coder transcript readings. Which, after thinking about it, started to make sense. Because if you're anxious about something, you're going to be like, here, do you mind doing it? Thanks. You want to avoid that anxiety. You're going to give it and run, versus really being pandering or whatever. Counterintuitive, but it makes sense if you link it to the anxiety that they feel, the guilt that they feel, and the desire that we often have to not experience those emotions. OK, so what do we know so far? That women are less likely to delegate an interview, associated with communal and agentic traits, associated with negative mood and anxiety, delegate less when they're given a subordinate, feel guilt when they delegate, fear backlash when they delegate, have lower <laughs> quality interactions than men. So, you know, you're really not allowed to end there. <laughs> no. One thing I really always appreciate about Kathleen McGinn at uh, her business school is that she's like, you're not allowed to find an effect and not undo the effect. <laughs> that is not right. We cannot just identify these differences. We have to find ways to change these differences. So we want to do more delving into what is going on here. And we, we know the guilt anxiety is real from so many of the different studies that we ran. So we said, what else could be going on? Yeah. Um, so this guilt capture, when I think about what are the reasons not to delegate, it's the guilt, the overburdening, but it's also the anxiety, um,
3: a little bit related to risk, but it's that it's not going to get done right. So does the guilt capture that, or how do we capture
2: that? So so, you can only imagine how many ways we try to look at some of these questions. So I'm going to get to your point in a moment. And the key takeaway is that the guilt of overburdening the subordinate was always higher than any of the others, Mm -hmm. than most of the other things that we examined. So we did a pilot follow-up study to say, okay, what are the other factors, like some of the ones you guys mentioned earlier? Senior executives, and just ask them what prevents them from delegating. About 40 <coughs> items. I mean, we chose everything and then chose so, asked in very different ways just to see are we missing anything? One bucket was concerns about their own competence. Would it reflect poorly on me if I delegated? I won't get credit if I delegate. Then there's concerns about their subordinates. You know, lack of trust, they won't do it well. Um, then enjoyment. Oh, how many times do you, oh, but I really love doing this. It's so much fun for me, when really it's that you don't think someone else can do it well. Um, so we want to see, do some of these factors play a role? Um, so one was I can do it better, faster. That was the highest rated. Um, it won't be done well. I don't have enough support. I forget I can delegate. I mean, if I forget. I'll be seen as less capable. But these were so, so much lower. <laughs> so subordinate competence and your own competence were not that much at play here. But we can actually test this because remember our s- study two that I told you about? This was the study where they had all these tasks and you know, are they you're allowed to delegate or not delegate? Um, this is what we found the negative affective associations from that study. We also asked some questions about Michael and Michelle's competence. And um, Here's what we found, because we wanted, and reviewers asked us about, is it about your own competence or your subordinate competence? And this goes to the idea of your subordinate being a risk, risky to pass it on. So men were more nervous about how it would reflect on them. And men were more nervous about their subordinates' competence not what we expected (laughs) follow-up questions follow-up studies on what is going on with men too here so counter to what we might have expected this delegation thing is tricky there's a lot to it okay so then how do you get women to delegate these same 50 women we also asked them what would motivate you to delegate and um here are some of the top things they said Helping my employees with, my, with their careers, helping them grow, being viewed as a good mentor, teaching them new things. I mean, the common theme here is when you focus on the communal aspects of delegation. So, we said, well, let's try this. Let's see if we frame delegation as more communal, will we see that effect? <coughs> so we had MBAs mostly men um, and they had in, in my class they <coughs> a feedback giving and receiving <coughs> scenario so they role-play where there's a manager and a subordinate and they need to give feedback and what we did this time around was we embedded in the feedback scenario tasks that needed to be de- de- to be delegated to the subordinate. So there three there are also three tasks in this session that you need to delegate to your subordinate. And then we manipulated delegation. So for half of the participants, for the students, we said, by assigning these tasks, you're being a good mentor, helping your subordinate develop, teaching your subordinate critical skills that are needed for the senior management position. And for the other half, we did no mention of any of the communal aspects of delegation. And that what we were really focused on is the negative affect they felt before the role break. Because if this is driven by negative affect, anxiety, guilt, then can you make them feel less negative affect beforehand, which in theory would then result in them potentially delegating more. So here's what we found in terms of negative affect prior to the role play. That in the control condition, negative affect was higher than in the delegation communal condition. So we were able to change that, and we saw no difference for men when we change the framework. Now, unfortunately, we didn't end up, I didn't give my students enough time in the task, you know, when you're like getting through this this session. So I don't, so the people didn't get to actually delegating the tasks, so I don't know, or the data's messy about how many tasks were delegated, but in follow-up studies, really hoping to examine that more. So yes, we were able to undo the effect. So here are some future directions that I hope to go in with this research. Delve further into it. What is delegation? What is the optimal amount of delegation? Back to always asking, well, how much should we be delegating now that you've done this work? Unclear, don't know. How does delegation evolve? You can imagine with greater familiarity, with greater seniority, maybe you do it more, maybe you do it less, maybe there's more on Not sure, We need to look further into it. Then, what are some other manipulations? Our, well, we had, we, you know, reviewer two. Reviewer two with the really long. Reviewer two had great suggestions that made the paper so much better. But one of the things their issue was with is that can't we actually change the gender role expectations rather than you know emphasizing the communal aspect? Can we do something else? Have, emphasizing getting work done, huh? Should women know that that's beneficial? Or you know, legitimizing agentic behaviors? Can we have some manipulations that do that? Quite frankly, I'm not sure all those manipulations would work as well. I mean, that's nice theoretically, and maybe in 70 years. But I still think if there's some anxiety about this being gender role paradoxical, we I mean, might not see an effect if we change that. And then examine more gender role paradoxical behaviors. As I've, I've been thinking about some of these, you know, I think in some ways negotiation is gender role paradoxical. Feedback. Is gender role paradoxical? Would we see these similar effects in contexts like that? And would using some of the things that we've done here help us in changing how women engage in what is considered to be critical leadership behaviors that matter and that can drive how we experience organizations? So I have a lot more to share, not on delegation, but I want to stop see if there are any questions. And then talk about other <coughs> stuff that I put in. You know, the, an 80 minute talk, I never know what is gonna. So, yeah.
5: Hi, thank you. Um, I, I'm sorry if I missed this in the beginning, but it seems to me that most of your subjects were uh, students. And I'm wondering if you did any studies of people who have, like, women who have already risen up in the ranks and maybe have already adopted.
2: sample was the lab sample where we gave them the opportunity to delegate because that's what we had access to and it's easier because you can at least standardize across all participants but all of the other samples (coughs) managers their age range was usually if i remember correctly between like 31 and 62 or something like that so these were older women uh or and men but I think the question of how things change over time is one that I want to look more at to better understand some of these uh, dynamics. Yes.
4: Yeah. I love this. this is really exciting research. Thank you. Could it also be the case that while well, that women are maybe more focused on the relational aspect of the delegation and the interaction, men are actually less focused on the relational aspect and more on the task they can do instead? So, if you are you have all these tasks in front of you, but data lands on your desk, then okay, that makes it salient. There's a counterfactual to what I could
2: be doing.
5: Hmm.
4: And and maybe manipulating that could work for women, but maybe doing that doesn't. It only works for men. They are more sensitive to
0: the counterfactual to the task. I mean, that's
2: possible. And that would be an interesting way to go. But what? I- What you initially said made me think that, that when you said it's more relational, I feel like the data where the women were kind of like, give it and leave, made it seem that it wasn't, I I don't know if they view it as that. That
4: makes me think they're more sensitive to the
2: relational aspect of it. Okay, so that they're more, yes. It's so weird to be sensitive to the relational aspect, but, but so it's only with negative mood when you're not, so I, I think it's a great future direction to look at, and that also speaks to the idea of the type of task. So you're saying, so tell me more about what you would envision. Well, for so
4: your last graph where the men, the communal framing didn't affect them made me, made me think,
2: well, it's just not something that they're thinking of. Yeah. What are
4: they thinking of instead? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And so I thought maybe it's the task. It's all thing in the afternoon. I need to go. go. I t- I'm like, just why am I here? Mailbashing? <laughs> um, <but it's, laughs> yes, taking on the task, getting done, blah, blah, or passing it on so they can do other things. And I mean, in some ways, you would think that women should be more self. We would want people to be a little bit more self-serving about the many things that they have on their plate. So yes, I think we should do some follow-up, which gets at what men are thinking, and then see if we can replicate what men are thinking in women's minds to then get them to delegate more. Grad students, follow-up work,
6: Hi, uh, this is super interesting. So I'm wondering if you're kind of framing it in terms of gender role paradoxical, in terms of women being concerned that they're not appearing to be fulfilling the stereotype. And I'm wondering if it's not about the parents, but they actually are more communal, right? Like it's not that I'm worried about appearing uncommunal, it's that I'm worrying about not being communal. Um, mm-hmm. And so in that sense, that's why your manipulation is working as well as it is. And that's also why the men mm-hmm. think delegation looks bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sort of like a different way of you know, to sort of follow up on your question and kind of the yeah. Kathleen agenda of fixing it, yeah. right? If you manipulate it, not by saying like, you're going to be sort of a better mentor, mm-hmm. manipulate by saying you're going to be a better leader, mm-hmm. right, that has all the same undertones of give people difficult tasks because it will make them better performers. But now it doesn't sound so stereotypically gendered, and also allows women to feel like they're fulfilling that mentorship
2: role. I mean, I'm so skeptical though, because you say it'll make you a better leader, and you still have to go in there and give it to somebody, and you're, the, the gender roles there—it's just the worry is still potentially going to be. But
6: I think, I think that I'm kind of with Jen in the sense that I don't think the worry is that you're looking bad. The worry is that you're making this person feel bad. <clears throat> right. 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 And I, right. I guess you could manipulate that right. also by yeah. having a third person, perceive yeah.
2: perceiver. Because it is guilt over, over, overburdening your right. subordinates. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in some, and fear of backlash which is when people see you. I like that idea of manipulating both of those things. And I, nev- I never thought about it, worried about appearance versus, so I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Good, Fun. 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 Yes. down. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm thinking,
4: and maybe I miss this, I mean, super interesting talk, I Think about a lot of things, but um, one, my prior is like, this could be driven by something women don't like to ask uh, for help. I have one that shows the for advice, so in certain situations where it's like I could, I, I should reach out to someone and ask them to help me here. It, there seems to be at least some evidence that women don't, which goes against another part that women like to ask for help for directions, etc. But I think something like this might be driving your results, and I'm not sure how to close that. I've been thinking yeah. about it, like maybe like if you force people to delegate a certain
2: amount of times, and then to, I don't know, but I think something like that might be driving. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, well, so, but that's still linked to me to the stereotype, which is that, well, why don't you want to ask? Because you feel like it might reflect weirdly on you. You feel like you're not enough. You feel like you're not doing it well. There's so many other things that are embedded in it, too.
4: <coughs> I'm not sure that it's the, re- Reflection. So I didn't experiment on advice seeking.
2: Yeah. But I see that women uh-huh. see less advice. And what? And what and what were your mechanisms? Uh,
4: well women's mechanisms?
2: What? Uh-huh. What under? What was the effect driven by? Why don't they ask in your In your finding? why do um, you ask for advice?
4: Well, when they were given information about how good the advisors were, they weren't seeking as much advice. Which I don't know why that's the case, but it's a result, and they do worse as a result. Okay. But what I wanted to get at is, they don't see, like they don't communicate with anyone else. So no one knows what they did. Mm-hmm. They don't have to communicate with the advisors. I'm not sure. I'm thinking it's more like, I mean, I'm thinking about these questions mm-hmm. myself as yeah. well, but yeah. I think it might be something like, liminal lifetime, but they don't
2: feel like they deserve it, or they don't want to like put themselves out there, and ask for, it, for help, but mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How? And And I think when you find your <coughs> mechanism to delve deeper into what that is, then we can try that those <coughs> effects in other contexts to see if those also undo what we find here. Because I think it's all related. Yeah. I mean, it's all very much linked to
5: general <coughs> stereotypes
2: and other factors. Mm. So I'm curious to learn more. Please stay in touch. Yes.
0: <coughs> Thank you. Also, awesome. Really fascinating and important. Um, I'm very curious if you've looked at all the spread sort of within the Controlling for gender, just sort of in terms of how far women differ in their responses, and if there's any hypothesis around around causalities, and sort of what things do make women delegate more later on, or if there's any sort of studies planned. Um, and sort of connected to this, uh, like a total. Oh, I have a
2: bad memory. memory. Okay, let's go. forget part one. And then oh. go. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> now you're reminding me of <coughs> our second revision, <coughs> where we had another study in the paper where we asked women how agentic and communal they actually were, mm-hmm. self-reports of agency and commun- communality. And we did find that moderated the effect. So women who viewed themselves as more agentic were more likely to delegate or say mm-hmm. they delegate or, or be less, those types of things. So that was one moderator or difference yeah. that created the difference within women. We took that out because the reviewers were like, that's confusing. But something that we need to go back to in terms of you know, a dispositional <coughs> characteristic that will undo the effect. But there's more to some of those elements that we want to look mm-hmm. into. Yeah, entirely. I think
0: it would be really fascinating, because yeah. I feel like it also tells us something about what interventions could make a yes, difference. Yes. And then as a, I think, competing, but maybe also another attempt at interpre- interpreting some of these results, Yeah. if women seem to be bad at delegating because they don't spend enough time with their, their, their subordinate. Maybe there's also like, oh, I'm bad at it, so therefore I won't do it, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be like, if I have little experience yeah, with it, right. um, yeah. make my conclusion, oh, it didn't work really well, so I'm going to yeah. keep not doing it. right? Yeah. So there's a question, if, if I have a qualitative experience, will that
2: make me delegate more That's in the future? And I think these a good follow-up question to ask, especially of senior leaders. What has your experience been with delegating? What has it been with performance of your, you know, this idea that people felt guilty, or would feel guilt if their employee didn't do it well? suggest that there's something there too i'll take a cup oh there's so many more questions there's, there's other stuff i want to share but this is so important okay yeah well i'm going yeah. to question thank you of managers feeling female managers feeling more guilty about their support yeah. and its workload i wonder if in future work you could manipulate the the presented busyness level of the subordinate because for mm-hmm. me it raises the question of are women managers systematically better at telling how busy their subordinates are <laughs> or are they systematically <laughs> overestimating because I could totally imagine a scenario in which female managers are paying attention and care about the business level of people on their team and men sort of like are like, get it done, not my problem. Mm, that's good. <laughs> so give, your subordinate has 12 tasks, your subordinate has 6 tasks, yeah. your subordinate pulled an all-nighter last night. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, I think my guess is that people, subordinates might be more willing to be more open. With a woman because of the communal
3: stereotype, to then share that, which would make <coughs> them more sense to this. this is so good. So good. Yes, Jen. I echo what everyone said that this is fascinating, and a hundred scenarios from my own life are popping up. Um, so I'm thinking about the classic Second Shift book and the whole idea that the woman's workday never ends. Yeah. And yes. the the male workday does, yep. and um, on average, <laughs> not for the men in this room, of yeah. course, we're very gender progressive, but <laughs> um, so, so uh, and a not classic book, but a really funny book, the um, called I don't know how she does it. About, I don't know if you read that, about the female executive who has to hide that the pie and the cookies are from the store and, and things like that. And um, so I think that one really interesting future direction, well, two future interesting directions. One is to have really, to pursue really strong evidence on the benefits of delegating. For women, yes. and especially yeah. in the area of <laughs> academics, yes. delegating is, is 100% <laughs> crucial. And I personally outsource everything that I possibly can. Yeah. And and I was taught that by a female mentor, um, Linda Babcock. You know, immediately day one, she says, outsource everything, and to every female academic she meets. And <laughs> um, so it'd be great to try to track that in a profession where it has so many obvious benefits. Mm-hmm. You can't be running your own experiments, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. or you're in huge trouble. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. so it would be great to get that. And then the other thing is to tie into the rest of the workday. Um, what kind of outsourcing are female professionals doing? Because And are they able to be open about it? Because mm-hmm. right now, There's this very strong taboo. If you hire someone to bake the cookies you bring to the office, you're like a sinner. And so, um, you know, it's like this taboo trade-off between this secular value of money and the sacred value of baking.
5: And um, and so, um, if women
3: are hiding in the rest of their lives, and I told you how I'm hiring people all over my volunteer activities, and. (laughs) Um, and then there could be some carryover where there's a sense of shame about it yeah, in yeah. the workplace.
2: Completely. What well, you just said, I just I automatically went to could TaskRabbit give us some data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right On what women just what tasks are being are asked for by whom? To get a sense of some of this outsourcing, in addition to a general survey where we can ask women and men about the types of things they're outsourcing, what are they doing, you know, and make it even. I love experience sampling, you get great data once a week or every day, ask people these questions because I think that we need to get more insight into this so that we understand how the breadth of things that we carry on us and bring into organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that idea. Task Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And if you think of any other outsourcing types of um, companies or whatever that might be good at giving data, that would be really cool. There's a, um, no, that's like Angie's list that's not, that's different, that's just looking for people. But anyway,
7: yes. Uh, I'm just wondering, first of all, thank you so much, it's a very interesting we uh, give uh, encouragement and self-confidence. How can we teach how to, women test each other for information they give to each other? The leaders I'm talking about, and uh, how can we um, just be um, uh, truthful to ourselves for what we are doing, mm-hmm. and uh, okay. get more self-confidence and more skills, more whatever it is, and. Uh, not just, um, and they have a good relationship also with men, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. colleagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can learn also from them, they can also learn yeah. from us. Yeah. And uh, how can we do that uh, to, to, to give women more confidence? Mm-hmm. And uh, especially to deliver women from guilt conscious about the past, yeah. about all yeah. this what happened to them or everything, and then a new change.
2: Yeah, uh, How can we do that? So, y- y- your question actually brings me to my thoughts on how we might be able to do that specifically with delegation although there are other behaviors to do that with which is one of the things that i wanted to i forgot i had this in here um so one of the things is to have people literally list all the tasks on their plate for the day or for the week or whatever and then to ask themselves what is hindering you from passing is that first of all what are you going to pass on and if i do this with senior executives they're, it's usually the men who are like, oh yeah, you know, five of them. And the women who are like, hmm, not sure. So what's hindering you from delegating? Why? Go through each of them. Then asking questions about each task. Is this instrumentally important for my career? Right now, it's not instrumentally important for me to like sit and run a lab study. No. But I might not delegate it for some reason. Is that critically important? Is it something that feels just personally important to you? This is big because there's a lot that we think is really personally important. And I think we should be doing some of those because I think it it fills us and gives you the energy. But all 10 of the things on your list cannot be just personally important to you. Is it something you'd feel guilty about if you didn't do it? And if so, why? So really understanding why I might feel guilty. Is it because of my subordinate who has a lot to do? Is it because? I have some deep psychological issue that I feel guilty about way too much. You know, many things. I'm not sure, but for each person we need to think about that. And is it a role conflict? Something I feel like I should do, but is it necessary? Or I like this one too. Is it something that fills my heart? And again, that's linked to the gives me energy, gives me activity. Then I should do a couple of these, but not all of them. And then who may suffer? Usually you. <laughs> you know, so so remembering that, but who is going to suffer? Because your subordinate could also suffer, and then who's gonna grow and develop? So when I do this with executives, <laughs> I mention these things for men and women, but then I say for your your children. Same thing. For if you have female subordinates, you should be every week you should have a, a delegation inventory. In your feedback sessions, seriously, in your feedback sessions, what have you delegated this week? This should that be a developmental skill that men and women are teaching our subordinates so that they don't do the same things that we might do? So these are some of the ways I think we can change some of the behaviors if we de- we ask ourselves, but also force others to engage in the behaviors that we are hardwired to not engage in. So those are some ways. Yeah.
0: So maybe Catholics are
2: more into guilt than the other reasons. And maybe um I think <laughs> Latin America
0: is a different place in the world where male dominant culture is more strong than mm-hmm. the US or Europe,
2: I don't know. Yeah, I mean Based on some of our stereotypes and actual things, we, uh, those effects would seem logical to me, particularly that for certain areas of the world you might expect this. There, By the way, there have been no studies on delegation. Most of the studies have been qualitative or something, um, which is why when we started this, and they were from like the 70s and 80s, Ooh. so there is virtually nothing. Yeah, you know, lots of management books saying you should do it, but no, you know, not not much empirical research. So I don't know the answers to your questions, but I think it's great for future research. Um, and the well, I couldn't even test it on my MBAs who are very international, and we do ask them about their religion because we didn't specifically say do you delegate, do you not feel how you feel when you delegate. We only use the MBAs with the um, agency communality <coughs> about uh, delegation, but f- great future direction. Yeah. I wanted to come back to this question about asking for help mm-hmm. and whether you teased out that motivation and a kind of mechanism as the perception
0: of delegating as asking for help, which is loaded, versus just allocating tasks to people who are paid to do them and whether yeah. that's gender.
2: Yeah, we didn't. I had, hadn't even thought with that level of granularity about it. Um, and it was more so helping your subordinate, helping yourself is how we thought about it. But again, I think these are interesting. I'll take one more and then I'm going to talk about t- one other topic, um, I might not even have time for two, probably one other topic that has been bothering <laughs> <on. laughs> me. Um, so I wanted to go back to one of the studies you mentioned yeah. where
0: um, women spend less time interacting with their subordinates. And I wonder if you found a difference in um, the quality of the interactions as well. Is it, do men take longer because they are more long-winded, or is it because they like to make small talk? <laughs> you know, because I wonder if that like affects the guilt that women feel, that perhaps they don't feel like they're um, establishing a relationship, and so they feel guilty about asking something.
2: We have not coded for some of those things, uh, but I think it would be interesting to see. But, but one of the things to think about with those data is that these were virtually strangers. So you might think that when it's a real subordinate uh, manager situation, women might spend more time, might do that, versus if it's a stranger. Because if it's a stranger, you'd be more willing to be like, hey, do all this stuff. To- I don't-. It's confusing. Don't know the answer. But thats I think that there's a lot more to that that needs to be examined, particularly in long-term,
5: enduring relationships. And I thought like there might have been one other question yet. Get that there's so many like different ways that you can go through this and just muddy the waters even more. I'm if you could uh, break it down racially and talk about like perceptions of certain races when they delegate or perhaps delegating differently based on the race of the um, subordinate. Like I think that there's so many ways that we can make this work uh, or um, because I think that the way that we train women differently could be also racially different based on the way that they're perceived.
2: Completely. Mm-hmm. And anecdotally, I have a good friend. Uh, we've got our MBAs together here. And she's the CFO of a company, and uh, is the CFO of a company. And she said, and I was telling her about this research, and she said, oh yeah, no, I don't pass it on because it will reflect poorly on me. And I, I want everyone to know that I can do everything. And so I think that there is, did I say she was African-American? I forgot to say that. <laughs> That's what I was saying. She's African-American, and that was her biggest concern. So, looking at this across race, um, across positions, I mean, such, yes. Okay, so at the end of this I'm gonna take names of grad students who wanna follow up on this because there's so much interesting stuff out there and new avenues to further explore. So now more things that are bothering me in this world. Um, You know, this is actually work that I had um, started This is my like study that I love and I still haven't had time to actually do the data analysis and really examine it Um, but recent events have made me think even more about it and it's like how women interact with each other Mm -hmm. and when I give talks I always like to also think of grad Mm -hmm. students and um, one of the things that I wish I would known earlier in my grad student experience was what am I really good at and in grad school you're trying to figure this out but over time you get better at understanding what your superpower is. So start thinking now about what that might be. And what my superpower is is data collection. I can come up with a study, da, 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 get the data, and then sit on it for. <laughs> so this is a study that I've been sitting on for ten years because I just haven't had time to get to it. You need to delegate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't was, was, was until like okay. what, five years into my academic life that I realized, oh my gosh, the way to make this all work is to have collaborators who then have strengths in the other areas. So I have started delegating. This is I have delegated it to one of my amazing collaborators, and we're going to be talking about it in April. But it's still been sitting on my i've been sitting on it forever okay Mm, you know what's going on in society these days this whole issue of race and women working together and when it came to the women's march and all of these other things finally coming back up and so i've really been interested in understanding cross-race interactions and the study that i ran in grad school was all women. And so I'm going back to analyzing it and going back to some of the research questions I had at the time. We know from a ton of research that intergroup interactions can engender this feeling of anxiety. They're different from same-race interactions. And there's a ton of research showing that they have negative repercussions for performance. That they're so effortful, you're so thinking about the many things that are going on when someone is different from you, that that affects your ability to perform well. And in that description, that kind of assumes that blacks and whites might have similar mechanisms or processes that they're going through in these interactions, but we know that they're different from some research. That black participants in studies tend to be more vigilant in their intergroup interactions in these contexts, they're kind of monitoring their environment more heightened awareness, because it's kind of like, oh, is somebody going to be discriminatory, are they not? Mm -hmm. And even when there's been research on stigmatized individuals broadly paying close attention to the environment that they're in compared to white participants where it's different. So some of the key research questions I'm interested or I wasn't interested, I was and continue to be interested in, are what are some of the mechanisms underlying these strange and awkward interactions? Do they differ? And how do they differ for blacks versus whites and then do the different mechanisms account for the impaired performance and we still don't know enough about this so the study that I ran in grad school had 198 participants these were college students self-identified as african-american or Caucasian and I was an ambitious grad student I wanted to see these relationships over time so um, participants met with a female confederate weekly for three consecutive weeks. And they were randomly assigned, a real random assignment, <laughs> to interact with either a black or white female confederate. They shared some personal information with each other. They kind of got to know each other and then engage in cooperative tasks together. And um, the key variables I'm looking at is the race of the participant the group composition, same race or different race, and when they interacted. So as you can imagine, the reason I've been sitting on this is there's 600 observations in these data because of the numerous times and all that. And um, I'm going to walk you through what the study design was. So before they interacted, they uh, completed an IAT. Then they arrived in the lab and met a confederate I applied physiological sensors. So in my research, I study stress and performance. I look at how people psychologically and physiologically react to stressful situations like intergroup interactions. And I specifically use physiological measures because we know that self-reports can be biased because of impression management and other reasons. And so the idea here is that I can really understand and tease apart the different mechanisms if I could look at bodily responses and how they might differ during these different interactions. So applied physiological sensors. They engaged in a get-to-know-you task. Then they engaged in a co- cooperative performance task and did another IOT, because we wanted to see, over time, did your race bias change? They did that same stuff the second week, and then the third week did the same thing, but we wanted to see if there were spillover <laughs> effects. So for half of the participants, they met with a new confederate who was the <laughs> same race or a different race. I mean. Way too, please, if you're a grad student, don't ever do this, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's great when you sit on data for 10 years. So, But that was the idea, is if you have good interactions, then does that end up affecting your future interactions with a different person of the same race? That's our goal. That's our goal. OK, so what I'm going to focus on um, is physiological reactivity during the get to know you task, performance during the cooperative task. And then I E T, how that might have changed in the different interactions. And as I mentioned, I used physiological measures, and um, measures that looked at how the, the electrical activity of the heart, which we have at the Kennedy School and the behavior lab there, and also um, impedance, cardiography, which measures the amount of blood circulating through your thoracic why I looked at these is that I wanted to particularly examine something called respiratory sinus arrhythmia or RSA now what RSA is it's a measure of cardiac vagal control so um, the vagus nerve controls a lot back here and it's very sensitive to how we engage in social situations and so the perfect example to highlight this is what happens when you're at a cocktail party. You know you're at a cocktail party everyone's mingling and talking and and you're walking around you're talking to people what you hear stuff going on and but then finally you get to a conversation that you really want to have and you're talking to that person and you're focused and you almost tune out everything around you if i measured your physiological reactivity your rsa at that point i would see that it was indicative of heightened attentional focus that you're really engaging in mental effort to let everything outside just drop away so you could focus on that and from the research I told you before, there's evidence or suggesting that African-Americans in cross-race interactions are more attention focused. So I wanted to look at changes in RSA, black or white participants, depending on whether they were with a black or white confederate. So here is what I found. And these are RSA decreases that you would expect to see. And that's what I found. That if you were a black participant in an intergroup situation, experience greater decreases in RSA, greater attention focus. White participants no real differences in RSA. So it does suggest that there might be a different mechanism going on with white participants. Now, there's so much research showing that white participants feel threat or experience physiological threat responses when they're danger, uncertainty, and control related. I don't know what's going on in the interaction. So I also have those data that I need to look at to see whether white participants were more experiencing threat versus the black participants. Now, in addition, I mentioned we, they engaged in cooperative tasks together. And we had these tasks that were kind of neuropsych tests that we adapted to be game-like that they engaged in. And I'm going to give you an example of one of them. So um, they were told that they were um, in a different country, and they needed to figure out the meaning of words from this different country. And so they were given a card. One participant was given a card and would say, the word is PRIFA. What might PRIFA mean? And there'd be a list of questions and after e- or statements. And after each statement, the um, per- other person would need to guess what the word PRIFA meant, for example. so. The first clue would have been, most people need to PRIFA several times a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then the participant would guess, more of the confederate would guess. But people are very careful about what they PRIFA. <laughs> so they a cool thing. <laughs> what yes. might PRIFA be? Eat. Yes, eat. so eat. PRIFA is eat. So one of the things we were looking at was the number of guesses. So if you had a lot of guesses, that means you didn't do as well, because they had to ask a lot of questions <coughs> to get to eat. So what do we see in terms of performance <coughs> and number of guesses? That uh, consistent with what we might have expected, if you're really attentionally focused in an interview with black participants, then you would expect that they might not get perfect as quickly or the set of words. quickly. But here's what we also found with white participants. They got even more wrong, more guesses, which does indeed suggest that there is a different mechanism. There's something else going on i want to delve into further i'm thinking it's threat sitting on the data but what do we also know about other things we were able to code the videos to look at you know positive expressions and oh the white participants they were smiling more in intergroup than insane they were smiling for longer <laughs> a long time you know, they were laughing in the interaction they appeared happy and my grad school advisor, Randy Mendez, a collaborator now, has done some work about overcorrection, which is when you are feeling this kind of anxiety, then you're going to overcorrect and really smile and be. So, getting more insight into the different mechanisms, the different bodily responses that we're seeing in these interactions will tell me a little bit more about how to make them better. Um, then, as I mentioned, we also had the IET because we wanted to see if race bias would change. And part of the reason, why we had these three interactions is that hopefully, with more familiarity with people who are different, that things might change over time, and your bias might change, and have no effects for the next person. So I hope we all know here what the IAT is. It's a measure of bias that comes from unconscious beliefs. You rapidly classify words. It exposes your implicit bias. Widely accepted. All organizations are using it now. Let's see if it's working. We don't know. Um, there's a website that tells you all about it. What I want to make sure we all are aware of is that with white participants, you typically see a pro-white bias. And with black participants, it's kind of mixed. So I say that to caveat the results that you're going to see when I show you the black participants' results in particular, because it's still kind of iffy. So if you were a black participant interacting with another black participant, before the lab, this was your IAT, went down after the first interaction and then went up after the third interaction second interaction. Not exactly sure what that's about this is another black person so again, interpret with caution. Black in an intergroup situation, low race bias here, keeps increasing slightly over time. So your pro white bias increases when you're black just than you've been more than white Not sure what's going on here what about with white participants pretty stable over time in the same if you're interacting with another white participant but in intergroup we see by the third time it's starting to go down the second time and we saw the third time to look at too. so it seems like there's a potential here and maybe that with these repeated interactions It can get more comfortable and can have positive effects for future interactions. So what I'm hoping to do, and this really productive April meeting that I'm going to have in Toronto with one of my collaborators, we will be better able to tease apart the different mechanisms to look more at the physiology. Also, look at the quality of the interaction. We can be video-coded, and video-coded, had Raiders video code each of the interactions. That's how we got some of the smiling and other things so we can look at that. We also, in this, we manipulated the quality of the interact, like how much they got to know each other. Was this your classic? It was kind of a classic for us friends paradigm, where people told either deep information or more superficial information about themselves. So we'll see. Because my belief is that the more you really understand kind of deeply about differences in different people, then that helps to reduce some of the bias. That helps in future interactions. So you want to see if this actually did help in this situation and changed the physiology. And also looking at how changes in implicit bias can be influenced by the quality of the interactions. So that was the other thing that's been on my mind, is how we change these, And hopefully, this study is one step in a direction that I hope will go more into As women, in terms of our interactions with people who look like us and who look different from us. I did have one more study that I'm not going to run through. But what I do want you to know since we're here is that if you are negotiating as a woman, it's okay to experience a little bit of stress and to feel a little bit of anxiety because when you do, it can actually be helpful not all stress is bad that if you can you know appraise it as positive and wow this can help me do better then you can do better in (laughs) negotiation
3: that